0: That's heritageradionetwork.org/15 to donate and enter to win today, and make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by Bento Box, a hospitality platform that empowers restaurants through their own website. During these uncertain times in the industry, Bento Box is supporting restaurants through online ordering and gift cards. Opening soon, listeners get 50% off setup fees at getbentocom soon. That's G-E-T. B-E-N-T-O.com slash opening soon.
2: So now we are going to chat with Matthew Acarino in San Francisco and chef um, Hugh Atchison in Atlanta, Georgia. So two people on opposite sides of the country. Um, to hear what is shaking down um, so matt let's you know let's talk with you you know we've been working with you a long time from from the tillet side and um, and San Francisco I know is um, currently on on mandatory shelter so tell us how how that's going and you know how it's rapidly changed for you in the past couple of days
3: yeah I mean we went from the the last few days was uh, you know the obviously the covers went off a a cliff and uh, I think that's happened for everybody, but it's gone from um, being something we thought we might scrape through to something fairly grim. And, you know, a lot of chefs here in town got together yesterday um, and just, I think everybody is just really, really nervous across the country. I'm sure he would echo that, but, we're really the hospitality business is so labor heavy, it's our number one cost. I mean, I always say we're not really in the food business, we're in the people business. And so, this is the most at risk group of people. No one has the money to just keep paying them and unemployment and all the plans and payroll tax, you know, abatement or postponement. I mean, none of it's going to do. We're going to lose a lot of restaurants, I think, no matter what. And it's just a really scary time for everybody. And it's scary for business owners to think about how we're going to stay alive during this. You know, pardon the, the, the saying that, but it's, I mean, it really is what it is. We're trying to keep our businesses alive and viable so we can come back. And I think everyone is really freaked out. And I will say that I'm a huge cyclist, which I think most people know about me. And I got out for a good long ride this morning because we're going to go into takeout mode tonight, and there are a ton of people out on the Golden Gate Bridge and all kinds of things that should not be out according to whatever kind of quarantine things are happening, people that are at risk that shouldn't be out. So it's kind of perplexing to me, um, really, what, what, what the general public is, is thinking about what's happening.
2: So so that's so basically there's a shelter order in effect and in San Francisco, it's basically a saying like you if you should pretty much be staying indoors, but nobody's abiding by that. And at the same say, time rest-
3: I wouldn't say nobody, but going across the Golden Gate Bridge, there were thirty or forty people that were clearly above sixty five wow. and not taking in the scenery. And so I just don't know if that's the most appropriate thing for them to be doing, but um but yeah, the streets are fairly empty here
2: and and for restaurants you're still allowed to deliver f- deliver food at this point.
3: Techn- yeah, technically yes, we are allowed to deliver food although people are, you know, there's always this rumor mongering that goes around that that's going to go away too, but I mean I when we were meeting with all the chefs yesterday, I very much made the point that we have this food system that's built to, to go around grocery stores, restaurants, and, and, you know, restaurants are an integral part of, of how we feed ourselves. We're part of the fabric of every community that we're in. And to sort of, you know, ask, you know, it's very difficult for restaurants to, to pivot that never do takeout. And now we're all pivoting to doing things like takeout. But I think it's critical that we do so to keep the amount of food available for the amount of people that are around. Otherwise, the grocery stores cannot support us in this time alone. It's just not going to work.
2: I mean, that's a good point in cities like Atlanta and New York specifically. Like we, we, we we don't eat at home very often. It's like you, you know, you eat out so much. It's like, I don't even know if most New Yorkers know how to cook for themselves. It's how are people going to do this without, you know, some support from restaurants? Um, Hugh, I want to, I want to like switch to you for a second because you came out like a And I think your tweet was basically, we're so fucked. So you, I mean, you saw this coming a couple of days ago and, you know, how, what, what made you send out that red alarm and how do you, you know, how's that changed and and what are we all doing about it? I
4: mean, Hey, you know, we're all in the same boat, uh, but you know, this, this industry cannot take a, a, you know, if, if this goes on for a month, that's one thing, like maybe we can crawl back 80% of us um, as restaurateurs and chefs, if this goes on for three months, we are all totally screwed. I mean, I've got payrolls that I'm figuring out how to cover this week because, you know, we've been inactive for like five days. There was a precipitous drop in reservations even before that. Um, everybody's banking on this idea of curbside pickup and delivery, but you know, even that's not sustainable. I mean, I've let 110 people go. Um, who the proudest thing for me in my life is never awards and it's never accolades. It's definitely not fucking TV, but it is being a good employer. And when that's gone, you just feel like you just failed people. And that's what we're going through right now. I mean, and the government response has just been objectively poor to this point of delivering any sort of message of financial support for independent restaurants.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think we've had a couple conversations with chefs and restaurateurs today and everybody is just so devastated about the employee aspect of it, obviously. I mean, it is, it's like, you know, when Matt started talking, he said, we're not in the business of feeding people. We're in the business of basically employing people, which is true. It's like labor is such a huge part. Um, And yeah, the government has to step up and, and help. So is there anything going on locally and, your area, you know, Hugh and in in San Francisco, Matt, where you are seeing support starting to form or not yet?
3: I I think in San Francisco, there was a bit of a a drag to actually close restaurants. And I think that they're really trying to figure out because none of our insurances are going to apply. I mean, you know, everyone's trying to look at their coverage and see if there's anything that's going to, and all the insurance companies, of course, are going to not want to pay for this. Um, and, and in terms,
4: of no, like, they won't pay bacterial virus after h one whatever it exactly. was back in the day. They changed all their policies after that and had to sign stuff that we're all fucking oblivious to. Like, we're not insurance lawyers.
3: No, and I think
2: it's so when true. they talk I-
3: about sales tax or pay, payroll tax abatement. I mean, abatement's great, but you're just all we're gonna do is kick this huge can that people like you and I are, are responsible for way down the road. And everyone six months from now will hit a bubble that they can't pay. And and that's really what it is. I mean, I've covered my health insurance for my employees through the end of April right now. But how I keep going, you know, and, and, and that's the thing is a lot of people, of course, all of my people are hitting unemployment. And I don't know how the unemployment roster, you know, t- or the unemployment bank takes this, how, how it's going to survive. But, but, you know, a lot of my people are going to go on unemployment. If I can maintain some, you know, my salaried people and a few other people, great. But I mean it's not sustainable. How long does it go? and at some point, you know a lot of people have just been completely laid off, which means they're all hitting cobra and they're all going into debt right away i mean it's there's no way it's, there's no health care there's it's a really tenuous place to be and and there's a lot of people that their income level all of my cooks and you know even a lot of like one of my servers their it their wife is in labor right now you <laughs> know what a scary oh my God. time. Um, so I, I just don't yeah. know how this really at-risk population of employees who don't have savings, who don't have—we're not able to provide the kind of 401k and benefits and things that that other, you know, maybe larger employers can. And so, what do you do? I mean, so like they, these—we
4: don't have them ourselves. I mean, we, you know, my savings are restaurants. Now, restaurants are useless. Uh yeah. and, and worthless. Uh, so, it yeah, I don't I don't know where we go from here. And, uh, you know, it's not like landlords are going to say, you know what, Hugh, you don't have to pay, you know, March and April. We understand it was hard. Uh, they're not saying that. Maybe they'll say you don't have to pay it this month, but, uh, you know, it'll accumulate. And accumulate and accumulate, and then suddenly they'll get an interest rate on it. And I'm really glad the Fed pulled interest rates down to zero. I don't think that helps anybody except, like, Deutsche Bank and Credit Suisse <laughs> and people like that because it's definitely – I don't have my bank jumping down and saying, hey, I'll lend you $250,000 to weather the storm.
2: right. Yeah. I mean, so that's speaking of the landlords, like, have you gone, have you gone to your landlord yet to say like, Hey, like, how are you going to help us through this? And like, if you want to have, you know, you have what three successful restaurants in in Georgia, like if you want to keep us as tenants, how are you going to make sure I come back?
4: I mean, that's, that's really our only power play right now is that they're going to need us as tenants when they get back open. I mean, nobody's opening restaurants in the next six months. Um. that's for damn sure so i i don't know i mean no we haven't approached them yet on a sort of rent easement and things like that um it's too early to tell and that's the other thing is just we just don't know what's going on yet we don't know what's going to happen next week um but i'm sitting in an empty restaurant right now with two of my guys in the back prepping food to much like matt's doing to sell in a takeout form and you know but, you know, sales of $2,000 on takeout food doesn't sustain my salary loads. Um, and, it, you know, it doesn't cover the cost. Of, we're, basically, we're working through inventory right, right exactly. Now.
3: But exactly. And, and I would say two things. One, one thing that came up, um, you know, yesterday what was the, this whole notion. I mean, we're all going to try and do takeout. And it's like we're not all really wanting to compete against each other in the takeout realm. I mean, it's not our core competency. So I, I, w- I would ask that customers everywhere consider that the, the restaurant that's sort of like a block from you or the closest one or whatever, you know, try to try to think about patronizing those restaurants if you want them to be around later. And don't worry about going to the restaurant across town or some, You know, I mean, this is like it's the new paradigm of just sort of keep it local and keep it close to you and, and maybe try to utilize a couple of those restaurants. And that's how we're all going to do business. I'm not looking to do takeout food because someone across the the other side of San Francisco can can try my takeout food. I mean, you know, I hope that the person comes is a block away. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that, that's the best thing. And, and the other thing is, in terms of the landlord, I've spoken to my landlord, and she was immediately receptive to the fact that we're obviously going to have to figure something out. And this came up yesterday with all the other chefs when we were talking, but. Landlords are people. I mean, I know we always think that landlords are, you know, a lot of people's landlords aren't necessarily people. Maybe they're sort of corporations or whatever it is, but but really this is a this is a person to person conversation. And I think we all need to look each other in the eye and say we both need each other. We're gonna have to figure something out. And I would I would my advice to rest chefs and restaurateurs is start there with your landlords and hopefully you can get something. And any person that's not gonna have a conversation with you doesn't deserve to have a tenant. Well said.
2: Well said. I mean, and we've always talked about that too, how like, you know, if you shouldn't go, you shouldn't sign a lease on a space with a landlord who you don't think of as a partner, because essentially they have to be your partner, your business like rides on, on being in that space. Um, You know, and I think a lot of, you know, there's a lot of talk about the takeout and you guys are both doing takeout right now. I mean, how long do you foresee this sustaining or being something viable that you can continue doing?
4: Yeah, I I I think it's possible for a while. And I, I think that there's going to be uh, – it's going to start off a little bit slow, but as soon as people understand that all these restaurants are doing it, all these restaurants that they used to be regulars at are doing it, and maybe like Matt's saying, you're within – like I'm looking out the window of Empire State South, uh, you know, high-rise condos, and there's like 25 buildings each with – you know, 500 units in them. I mean, there's a lot of people right around here, and they need someplace to eat. Um, Trust me, I bought three packs of gummy bears the other day as my stash of stuff, and I think I finished those already. So people are going to not want to go out. They're going to want for something more nourishing. They're going to want an experience of just walking, cleanly grabbing that bag of food and walking away and that will be their new um, going out to a concert um, as social isolating as it is um, so I think that we just need to give it a little bit of time um, it's so nascent though that we're all jumping onto this we're all praying that Uber Eats takes our stuff and whatever but it's like I think we just need to kind of do it on our own and I think what Matt's saying hopefully he's going to get out on his bike and deliver him himself and we've got a little to-go window that opens up to the outside from our coffee shop area at Empire State South, so that's where all transactions that occur. The customers outside, we're going to put down red dots on the ground on how far you should stand away from each other, um, and and transact like that. We put the first menu up on Instagram. We're already get a good feedback on it. Um, so we'll see where it goes. Is this a sustainable business model for you know a place that's got is sixteen thousand dollars a month in rent and is seven thousand square feet with my space downstairs? No, <laughs> fuck no. But you know maybe it'll cover a couple of salaries in the interim uh, and and eke us by and make sure that we can continue health insurance coverage because in this you know heart of capitalism and democracy the fact that we still don't cover people universally. Uh, needs to be like, people should be crying from the mountaintop that this is just pathetic.
2: I I mean, it's true. It's like the insurance from both ends. I mean, both in regards of like, you know, the healthcare aspect during a health crisis and people being uninsured and also the insurance on the flip side, on the business side, like not being able to get coverage for business interruption.
4: Yeah. So looking at a business interruption, they said that it's not it's not applicable to bacterial viral infections. Uh, Obviously, terrorism is now out of the loop, too, um, and it has to be a government mandated closure for your building. So, you know, taking yourself out of the sequence of of a virus um, and. Closing because you're doing the right thing for your employees' safety, your customers' safety, and the safety of your business is now like that wouldn't be covered even if they covered bacterial and virus, which they don't. So you know we pay up to you know a hundred thousand dollars a year for coverage that's essentially useless.
2: Back to your tweet, we're so fucked. I mean, I think that yeah is apt.
3: Well, and I think that um, you know much like I I was in. New York on September 11th and watched that change the scene there, this is probably even, you know, of course it's more widespread or worldwide than, than that. But you, these are like, we're living through a defining moment. And I think on the other side of this, and I've said this to my staff and some of my cooks and things, you know, we were having a really hard time as restaurants and restaurateurs finding people, employing them, paying them enough, all these things. And it was always in juxtaposition with, Trying to keep your prices down on the very, you know, when you're trying to generate the revenue to do all these things for people, and this is going to be a defining moment. On the other side of this, I think we're all going to scratch our heads and think about what is a restaurant? How many people do I really want? And all this takeaway and low staff, and and the, it, we've all already been trending that way with this kind of fast casual thoughts. And as restaurateurs, you know, it's, I think a couple of years from now, we're really going to think like. You hey, you want to go to this restaurant? They have service there. Like we're going to elect to go to a restaurant that actually has human beings in it, almost. Um, and we're going to because we lose a lot of these restaurants. We're going to lose a lot of this. I think that our whole workforce is going to look different on the other side of this because of all of these things with insurance and and we you know people have always said to me, "Wow, it must be great. You're a chef. You make so much money." It's like, what are you thinking? We're all like, this is how close we are to going out of business, we're, we're kind of like in a casino every day. And I hope that this makes it really clear how close we all live to, you know, one or two bad weeks and we're right at the brink.
2: It is, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a scary portrait. Um, I want to try to have some positive and silver lining and Matt, you mentioned, you know, that you've been talking to other chefs in San Francisco. So it sounds like you guys are coming together as a community. Can you share a little bit about that?
3: Yeah, I think we, we 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 all wanted to come together and, and try to have a, a more singular voice, especially as we continue to approach, you know, government and, and and be able to try to tell them what we really need and see if we can urge them to actually do that. And I, and I think we're going to continue that conversation. I know we've said that we're going to try to meet as a group, um, you know, every Monday, and we're, you know we're starting to get all of our sort of. Emails and everybody together into a one group, and I thought it was really great because a lot of restaurateurs came out, and we we had you know there's four thousand restaurants in San Francisco at least, and we were immediately you know this isn't about the Michelin star and James Beard nominated chefs, and you know just a little this is everybody every I mean there there are far more mom and pop restaurants that no one's you know ever heard of the chef, and they're not some person that anyone would ever put in Food and Wine magazine or something, but. And they're more at risk than we are. So this is really an inclusive thing. It's a lot. This is the entire restaurant industry and how to figure it out. And the other thing I would say is, that, for instance, last night, we did one last dinner service at SBQR. And, you know, we started with, I think, 11 covers. I mean, it was horrendous. And but we could be open. so we were going to be open. And I had a couple hourly people that I could actually pay and maybe, you know, well that I could actually utilize. And we did like 40 something covers because people came in, you know, mind you, there's a 50 seat restaurant. So, and my, so people came in, they wanted that one last time to come out. We had, you know, six feet between tables. So it was a little weird looking, but people were genuinely appreciative. And of course we told them about the takeout that we're going to do. And what I'm seeing, if there's a silver lining in this whole thing is that you really are seeing your core customers and people that really appreciate your restaurant and you and the service you've provided in the past. Are, are sort of getting the message right away that if they want to see you later, they're going to have to do something. And I think it, it hopefully will catalyze communities of people around the services that restaurants provide and, and other jobs, you know, other services that other businesses provide. Cause it's, it's not just us, it's every business that's going to be just shut. And I just, I don't know how we get through this without banding together.
2: I mean, I, I think that's true. And I, I hope, You know, I know you said like we could see restaurants without any people, but I agree that like the restaurants are the community center and the community hub and they will always be a gathering place. And I hope, I hope people do realize that. No, and I
3: wouldn't, I wouldn't mean all restaurants. There's going to be a divide because you're going to see people say having a restaurant with a full staff is so risky that we really need to think about that. That's a very specialized thing. It's not just something that's there for everybody.
2: And Hugh, what about? And I'm sorry, I'm I'm working from home now with our. I have two young kids, so you probably hear the baby in the background. But um, Hugh, I was gonna ask you like, what what about what's going on in Atlanta with with the chefs and the community and and people coming together and and what's your silver lining?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a coalescing of chefs, and there are a lot of meetings being called, and people doing uh, getting together on just. Going over plans together and figuring out what what they're thinking. I mean, we're calling a lot of our peers and just trying to group with them on what's working and what's not and how they're delivering. You know, but it was also a matter of who's closing still because it's not mandated right here right now. Um, but the people who are staying open. I'm, I just scratch my head on how are you staying open? Like nobody's really going out, and the places that are packed uh, with people um, are doing something that I deem as a little unethical. Um, So just trying to get as much information as we can and move forward. I mean, communicating with politicians is always challenging. Um, You know, I put out a bunch of tweets to Senator uh, Purdue, who's our senator, federal senator. And uh, I don't know, went through the machinations, a bunch of, you know, people we knew or something like that. Suddenly somebody was calling me in virtual hysterics that Purdue's office had been trying to get a hold of me. And I guess that it, I know why they're trying to get a hold of me because I have a fair number of Twitter followers, and I guess I'm a no bit of a known entity in the food world in Georgia. But that shouldn't be what it takes to get your politician to really want to communicate with you. I mean, they represent everyone, and uh, but they really they, and they don't really have any ideas. They don't have any ideas on what we're going to do to make this uh, really solved. And you know that that phone call with the, um, you know with the White House this morning for the restaurant representation in the industry, you know, the fact that our representatives were being represented by people like uh, Kid Rock and Papa John uh, is uh, a little terrifying to me um, because they don't really represent what I think is right in the world. Um, so I don't know. We're just, I think the silver lining is the understanding of community empathy and understanding for what we're going through. Uh, I think that we need to really pay attention. Um, attention to the fact that the people most hard hit from this um, are going to be the people who live quietly and secretly within our industry who who are undocumented um, are totally uh, up shits Creek uh, because they can't get unemployment insurance and uh, they don't get tax refunds on a lot of the stuff they pay. Uh, And that's a nationwide industry issue that somebody needs to put a pretty, pretty big amount of funds in somehow to, to fix. Um, so I don't know there's a bit of a silver lining. I mean, I woke up today.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, you know, honestly, like, and you're the first person to, to talk about the undocumented workers in the industry. And that is true. It's like, these people can't even get unemployment insurance. What are they going to do for the next eight weeks and
4: if one other right winger comes to me and says you know they just leech off our systems it's like no people these people usually go through the whole payroll system they pay taxes and they never get those taxes back so they're paying for your kid to go to school so shut the fuck up um and it's just it's but again we just need they need help we all need help right now
2: it's true um yeah and i mean and your to your point also hugh about who was at that, you know, who got to speak to the government this morning, it was huge, fast, fast food brands. It's like, there are no, there is nobody representing independent operators. Um, So I think you, you know, you make a good point, like get in touch with your Congress, your people, in Congress, your people in the house, your local representatives and shout and scream at them. I mean, Um, it's not
4: surprising for, you know, we're represented by a president who's half made of Big Mac boxes, (laughs) Um, but it it is amazing to me that not one of those people, and there are a lot of pretty smart people in government, not one of them can say, hey, maybe we should talk to Danny Meyer or Jose Andres or Tom Clicchio, Um, you know, plenty of people who are very engaged in everyday topics about food and food policy on how we fix this like big industry people who could really chime in on how to effectively help.
2: So we need to get to, so Danny and, and David and Tom, like help us out. Yeah. I I think it's true. I, think it's, I mean, they
4: are, they are on Twitter and they are on Instagram and I've never seen David Chang so angry and I've seen him angry for a long time. He's very not a happy true. camper. Um, <laughs> But, you know, but that's good. I mean, we need vitriol right now. We need anger. We need people fed up with this system that is watching us turn over in a grave over and over again that, you know, frankly, was an industry that was going downhill long before this even happened. And now it's catching people in a really bad time.
3: Well, and I will say for the city of San Francisco, the sales tax is made up of I think it's 52 and a half percent of it comes from restaurants. So that's, I mean, basically the city without us doesn't have any money. So I think everyone's going to begin to see where, where the, the rubber meets the road on this and that we need, we need to get this figured out because it, it, everyone stands to lose in this situation.
2: It's true. Everyone stands to lose, especially, you know, the employees have been feeding us for so long um, and welcoming us into their restaurants Um, all right, well, I want to thank you both for taking the time to chat with us during this crisis. Um, I wish you both great safety and great health, and I can't wait to come to both of your restaurants on the other side of this. I do appreciate everything you both are doing and sharing with the industry and thank you for being so outspoken on Twitter and all those places and we'll, you know, we'll keep on posting and resharing and all those good things.
3: Thank
4: you.
2: Thanks so much, you. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you. Yeah.
3: I'm, I'm, I'm waiting,
2: Matt. Hang in there.
3: I'm waiting for a custom apron order, so I can't. I can't wait to see the that the people that can actually put it on.
2: Yeah, I, I know. It? I think it shipped. I'm like, I think it's shipped. I'll have to. i yeah, otherwise, sure I just I'm have a
4: box,
3: a box of aprons and no people.
2: Acarinos <laughs> keeping
3: till it alive.
5: I know. Thank <laughs> you. But
2: honestly, barely, barely, <laughs> I mean, no, but truth be told, like, look, we're a small business too. And we did, and you are our community. And it's not, you know, it's not just the three, you know, the 15 million people who are employed in restaurants. There is no. an entire network and ecosystem. Built it's the HVAC you know.
4: guy. It's the yeah, plumber. It's the, it's the glassware guy. It's, it's the farmer.
2: dishwasher guy. It's, yeah. It's, it's crazy. your grease trap guy. It's crazy. Like it's, there's just, so, you know, it's, it's literally, I mean, it's not 15 million people. It's probably 45 million if you like look at all, all of us who support you guys. And, you know, we're also making really hard decisions about our business, you know, and it's, it fucking sucks.
4: It certainly does.
3: My, my, uh, my, my girlfriend who works in the hospitality industry got laid off yesterday and we're both bike racers on the side and all all i said to her was well i I guess we're gonna train like world tour pros which is like 25 hours a week
4: oh my god yeah you got the time
3: theoretically it doesn't feel like it though
4: no it doesn't
2: okay thanks y'all thanks guys all right so we will just take a quick break and we will come back with Brittany anderson down in richmond virginia
1: This episode is brought to you by BentoBox. Bento Box empowers restaurants to own their presence, profits, and relationships directly through their own website. Restaurants are currently having to make significant changes to their operations, and BentoBox is setting up gift card processing and online ordering stores in as little as four days to support restaurants during this challenging time. With BentoBox, you can drive revenue and keep your guests up to date. Opening soon listeners get 50% off setup fees at getbento.com slash opening soon. That's G E T b-e-n-t-o dot com slash opening soon.
2: Okay, welcome Brittany um, from Brenner's Past down in Virginia. Um, you've been super active on social with the community, sharing everything that's going on, so give us the the, the real world update, the in real life update.
5: Sure. Um, well, Things are a little nuts down here, obviously, like they are everywhere else. Um, I do feel like we're a little bit behind where New York is and a little behind where the West Coast is, Um, but I'd say the majority of our independent restaurants have already shut down. We had no mandate from the government, no direction from the government, um, which in turn means no financial assistance from the government. Um, They didn't want to make that call because then they'd be responsible for actually doing something about it and helping our workers. But we closed mandatory, uh, on our own. We closed, um, in order to kind of make this a safer space for people, our workers, as well as our guests. Um, and now we're just kind of meeting up and trying to figure out what the next steps are.
2: I mean, it's, I, I, we keep hearing this. It's like, you're deciding between, you know, making decisions about what's safe for your guests and your staff. Mm -hmm. Or, like, you know, in people's livelihoods without having any guidance from the government. So basically, you guys as owners have gotten together and decided the best practice is to shut down for now. And But nothing's been made, you know, available in terms of relief yet.
5: Well, I will say our local government, our mayor, has been in, in, close contact with many of us owners and has already, uh, deferred or abated our meals tax, which is 4% of our sales. And it would be due, um, this Thursday. So, I mean, that's great. We're happy about it. There's no penalty on payments for six months. For me as a smaller operator, that's just really not a huge thing for the larger groups that have, you know, multiple, multiple restaurants. And I mean, I have three, but it meal tax doesn't add up to that much for me. Um, and with no income coming in, it's not something that is going to matter in the future. It's only going to matter kind of this week. Um, so it's a small step, it's a step in the right direction, but we're looking for real help for our employees. And that involves, you know, I think that involves a little bit higher than our local government. I will say they have stopped all shutoffs of electric, uh, water, and gas. So our people who are furloughed and out of work are, aren't going to have to worry about you know making their electric bill on time, making their gas bill on time. So that gives me a little bit of hope and happiness.
2: I mean, that's something. And, and what about the unemployment? Are they – because here in New York, it's like they – people would have to wait a week, but they've waived that. Is that the case there as well?
5: That's like what they're saying, but honestly, it's very confusing. I, I don't have a lot of, um, background in like labor issues, even though I'm an employer. Um, but I have a lot of people now coming to me and asking me questions about, can I apply? Can I do this? What's, you know, and I'm just telling them to get in the line. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of people and like just apply and we'll figure it out. But I do think that they made it so it would happen quicker it doesn't necessarily seem like it is. Um, meeting with this group today, uh, we met, we had a group of owners in town come together and talk. It was really nice and comforting. And we've kind of put together um, some plans for what we want to do and how we want to move forward because we think we're going to be a lot stronger as a group than we are individually. So that feels good. And I think is going to make a difference
2: can you share with us? I mean, I, and again, like, I think, um, you caught a little bit of the tail end of what Matt Acarino and Mm -hmm. the thing was going on in San Francisco and people coming together. Like, you know, I, and I think I agree with you. It's like coming together is definitely better than the pieces alone. So, um, can you share what your community, what kind of plans your community is putting together and how you guys are tackling it?
5: Yes. Um, well, we, we, one thing that was really kind of cool for me is that I met people today in our group, you know, owners of things that I just don't interact with that much. Um, guys that own clubs, guys that own, you know, or women that own bars that I just have never met. So that was really exciting to see that there's a lot of people from lots of different places that are affected by this that are all working together to make something happen. Um, and it's a big, it takes, a you know, a lot of of balls (laughs) or like a Mm -hmm. lot of like to, to close a place that's really like kind of murdering in sales right now, which is what some of them did. And, um, and for the public good. So I appreciate them for that. Um, but we are basically starting a group called, uh, Richmond restaurants United and we are asking for a bold stimulus package. Um, that includes a wage for our furloughed workers. We are calling it the social distancing wage mm-hmm. um, because we believe that we shut down in order to save lives, and that our workers should be treated as heroes, not as um, not as a just a, a random casualty of this. Um, they, we did this on our own accord in order to help the public. So I think that the public and our government should support these people for it. Um, we're asking for rent and loan abatement. We're asking for elimination of the payroll tax and, um, we are going to film a public service announcement tomorrow. So I think that there's, there's a lot of, um, I think we have a lot of opportunity, you know, to connect with people and hopefully get some action at the higher level.
2: I think the way that you just put that, that it's, you know, you guys shut down for the social good and that it's not unemployment, it's a social distancing wage is really just incredibly well put because it's, it's true. It's like you, you're you being forced to, people are not working because it's better for everybody. and
5: Right. It's like we're paying them to make sure that our public stays safe. Right. That's. The point of this, you know, and, and I can't take credit for that, that name. That was Patrick Phelan of Long Oven. And I just think it's a brilliant idea. And, and it's just a a testament to when we all get together and work on things that we can come up with really smart things. But I've been really inspired by some of the letters that I've read that in Portland, Oregon, um, that they've sent to their leaders. I liked um, how they were like making it I think a lot like talking about smaller businesses, like with less than 125 employees, because it's very easy to forget about us um, and to think about food service as being the Chick-fil-A's of the world or, you know, this giant corporations. So I hope that we can continue to focus on the smaller ones. I also thought that New York city, um, uh, what did I read? It was like a, whatever they had recommended for the restaurant association in New York, I thought did a really good job as well.
2: Yeah. I. They have like a 12 step plan for yeah, yeah Yeah. And there are some really good nuggets there from the New York Hospitality Alliance, New York City Hospitality Alliance, rather. Um, but it, it is true. I mean, I think, you know, it, it's just so important that everybody keep on going back and making noise because, you know, it's who's talking and who's lobbying our big fast food companies and it's the smaller restaurants and all the businesses like us at Tillett that support all these restaurants that are also being impacted who are exactly. treating small businesses. Yes. Um, so it is, you know, it is just a crazy time. What, you know, as the time is passing and you, and you guys have shut down proactively, um, what else, how are you keeping in touch with your employees? How are you keeping them informed? What, what else is, you know, what else are you guys doing in order to like keep it, keep things going and making sure that you have a restaurant to come back to? So we are
5: still, um, operating in a takeout only level, um, which surprisingly is, is doing okay. I mean, it's definitely giving us enough money to continue to pay our salary people. And that's the goal. We're also receiving tips and Venmo, um, which we're spreading out amongst our, uh, staff through all the restaurants. They're just sharing it equally. Um, And we have, you know, we have a pretty serious slack program at our restaurant. So we're able to keep in touch with everybody through that. Um, I'd like to, I I imagine there's going to be a time where we need to talk about providing them food, providing them with resources, um, places to stay, mental health resources. And we're trying to be supportive of that and help them. Um, It's unfortunate that, you know, we can't pay everyone. We can't continue to do that. And I just, it's, they, they feel like family to me and it's really hard to, um, to live in that reality that we are right now. So whatever we can do, we're trying to. Oh, we also set up a, uh, a, we're going to set up a website with resources like links to all of those things that we just talked about, like mental health resources, unemployment resources, whatever we can find for our employees and for all the employees and that are laid off in, in our city.
2: That's amazing. We'll definitely share that with us um, so that we can share as well. Um, and yeah, I, I think like the mental health aspect, nobody is, you're the first person to bring that up too. I mean, I'm, you know, it's, this is fucking traumatizing to so many people and to so many degrees.
5: It's, it truly, truly is. It's a, it's a very taxing mentally.
2: It's yeah, it is um, for sure. Well, stay strong, um, and I think it's really inspirational to hear how everybody in Richmond has come together and put these plans in place. And I hope it inspires people in other communities across the country to do the same thing and make more noise. Um, and if there's anything we can do on our end, to support and share.
5: Definitely, no. and you know, yeah. like we are looking to other cities for advice and information. Like we saw, like the videos that Noah and um, Paul did in Chicago. Like we we're inspired by that. We're trying to do our own thing. So I think it's an opportunity for our restaurant industry to kind of work together and and feel like a little bit of a smaller group than we have in the past. And I think when we come back from this, we'll only be stronger. And maybe we have an opportunity to make our industry a lot more. Um, a lot more equal and, um, and better. So that's what I'm hoping for.
2: I think that's an amazing silver lining. And I think that's really true. I think in, in like times of crisis when, you know, you see people come together and it only makes things better in the long run.
5: Yeah.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, I'll let you get back to figuring out your takeout and to my to go orders. Yeah.
5: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Jenny. I, I really appreciate getting to share with you and Um, I hope we get to, uh, talk in a better circumstance next time.
2: I can't wait to talk in a better circumstance (laughs) and I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of, you know, being in crisis mode to share your story, share what's going on and encourage people. So I really appreciate it. And just wishing you guys all the best and so much love.
5: Awesome. Thank you so much.
1: Opening soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. And connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You could also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork.